Hey guys, welcome to the Babylon Pastors Podcast, sponsored by ODG Apparel. I am one of your hosts, Michael. And I'm Rob. Glad you're here to listen in while we talk about church, theology, and everything in between. Hey guys. Hey guys. Hello, hey. fellows. Hi. Hi. You think I could do this whole episode in this accent? I don't even know what kind of accent it is, eh? I don't know either. Hmm. <laughs> Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Oh no, what are we talking about today? Government takeovers. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up the tea party again. Oh. Not no. the movement, the time where it got thrown in, you know, the river and all yeah. that. We just did that because coffee's better. Oh. Well, we need to rewrite some history then. I'm sure I'm going to get yeah. some comments on actually how absolutely horrible this accent is. Rewriting history's going around. We might as well do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I said it. it. wasn't a COVID. It was just a solid joke. That's what brought that on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, while Michael's putting his mask on, um, we are talking today about a again kind of the, the same uh thing that in some ways the same premise as last time that's very he put a mask on all right yeah, I need um, goggles. you look like you're about to rob a liquor store bro um where's uh, the toilet but, <laughs> where do we draw the line yes. government uh with with government uh what's the what's the word Oh man, government. Um, I right, let me pull my notes up. Government authority, governmental authority, yes, that kind of thing. Yes, and the thing. church. And the church. <clears throat> yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. Can they tell you what to do or not? <laughs> right after these messages. Hey, our sponsor today is. No, I'm, joking. <laughs> we're, I'm joking. We're not not going not going that direction with you. Um, right. So I think the biggest example of this currently uh, within the church world. Um, not that, let me, let me make a distinction here. Not that a lot of churches haven't already constantly been doing this. There's some churches that have never shut down during this whole deal. They said, nope, not doing it. We're going to stay open anyway. But all of that aside, acknowledging those churches and everything they've done, uh, you know, within that vein and that, that movement, um, the biggest church right now that's kind of making the news for it is going to be Johnny Max Church out in California, giving the big O, we submit to God, not you, finger to uh, the governor. So um, that's, that's brought a lot of attention to this where the line is drawn situation. Um, and a lot of articles have been written about it. Um, in general, aside from uh, different theology, I would say this is really showing some cracks in the foundation of, of Christianity as far as uh, what could possibly cause some splits, my friend. Not like huge divisions, but definite distinctions. Um, so a lot of verses have been thrown around. Um, Romans 13 being probably the main one. Uh, and then we got a couple ver uh, verses over there in Peter. Uh, that have also been thrown around. Um, so we'll be discussing those a little bit, but right off the bat, Rob, what are your, your first impressions 
of this, uh, this, this, this uh, disagreement and or subject that's been brought up uh, in the church right now. So my feeling is this. There are many, many, many things within the church world that Christians disagree with one another on. Mm-hmm. I think um, this is one of those things. It can be one of those things. And it's okay that it's one of those things. Yep. That's where I'm at. Because uh, I, I hear, I've read the blog, I've heard the sermon that MacArthur preached right after that. Like, I get it. And he said some stuff that was super powerful and true, mm-hmm. right, about the whole situation. They're saying at one of his most powerful arguments, um, uh, barring the scriptures that he used and that kind of thing, one of his most powerful points was they are saying that abortion clinics are essential. Those are still open, but we can't come to church and meet, mm-hmm. right? Even though, uh, I forget the statistic, but 0.002 is the death rate per the statistics in California. Like, that's like you're probably not going to die, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, it would be an anomaly if you did die. It would be weird. Um, so some, some of the arguments that they made were like, yeah, do I personally think that uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California in this situation, who, who gave the order, the executive order, and it wasn't only churches, right, uh, that he gave the order to, to be fair, uh, but it, it didn't include things like abortion clinics, right? <laughs> right. Like, mm-hmm. so there are clearly some worldview objectives there that, uh, that make that are played out. But do, do I think that it makes sense? No, I think it's stupid. I think that the, the statistics on the death rates speak for themselves. Just that, if that's the only argument you use, uh, from a non-church standpoint, a person could make a really good argument that that was just stupid that that order doesn't make sense um but given all of that i also understand there's another point of view right like there's this other point of view that says um what what is it exactly here the governmental authority the romans 13 thing is probably the most prominent one uh, there's no authority except from god and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. He keeps going on and on about that. And um, there, there's a render to Caesar what is Caesar's kind of a thing, right? Um, and then we can look at uh, countries who have been persecuted for hundreds of years, right? And they don't have big churches with Sunday morning things and thousands of people showing up they don't have that and they're still being the church by doing mm-hmm. what they do right so that is a just not to interrupt that is such an i think that's an important distinction that i've not heard really many other places there that comparison yeah well i think that's really important because uh like we i can't be fighting for um I can't stand up and fight only uh, because my American way of doing church is being threatened. Mm -hmm. I will stand up and die on a hill and fight to the bloody end for my ability to be the church, right? 
Now, how you define that is probably going to differ between some people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there are things that we've, here's a just quick, for instance, and then I'll, I'll um, let you but talk and, and do whatever. But um, just a quick, for instance, is this. One of the things that our church specifically has gotten out of COVID, right, is the importance for small groups. Mm-hmm. Right, the importance for our community groups that we have. Look, if you are involved in one of those, chances are you didn't really miss a beat when all this happened. Like even when we weren't doing um, church on Sunday morning, having the gathering we always have and worshiping together, which is awesome. And we should push for that and fight for it to a degree. Um, but even when that wasn't a thing, right, um, the the idea that you're in a smaller setting and together, man, like not only is that helpful and good for discipleship whenever things go and fine. Right. But that's how uh, churches meet in many other countries in the world. And they're still being the church and being effective. In fact, church is more on fire in a lot of these places than in our wonderful, comfortable world in America. So, there are two viewpoints and both of them have a lot of weight depending on the situation. Yeah. Well, and one thing to follow up before I really get too far into what will probably be a rant from me, uh, <laughs> as far, I just, let's just be honest. I talk a long time, but, um, so your small groups, cause all you said in, uh, before that was that a lot of people are going to differ on what they would consider like the church being the church in a smaller form. So, Yep. To preface, so you understand my comment that I'm about to say, uh, I believe it was J.D. Greer, if I understand right, said that he basically put out a blog or an article about how he broke his church down into smaller ho- house churches, and they'll do that for however long they need. Now, one of the rebuttals that did come up against him that I heard in that regard is that uh, if they're going to call them mini church plants or small churches, I mean, he needs to set those up in the way that we do see in the word, which is that it's, you know, there's an elder, there's, there's, they're being led through the scripture, they're qualified, those sort of things. And they're, sure. they're almost half, again, the person that was saying this does not like J.D. Greer, so they're not fairly coming at it. But the idea was that I doubt you have enough qualified elders to actually do that with as big as your church is. So again, you can hear in that comment, they're not a fan of him. But in that regard, what would be your difference that you would declare between a small group or like a small house, like do you, I guess the are your small groups set up that they can, that they're led by qualified type of elder people? Yeah, so that's a good question, and I have actually a pretty simple answer for that. Um, yes, like we the way that the the way that I look at a small group, it's not um, on purpose. Here we've been moving away from just some canned curriculum Bible study thing, right? Yeah. Like, uh, because anybody who is addicted to pornography and drinks until they're wasted all weekend can lead one of those, yeah. right? Like it is not, it, you don't have, it, it's, it is what it is, right? But what we're trying to set up, we, we don't call them small groups. We call them community groups or missional communities, um, depending on who you talk to. Uh, but the idea is those function as a uh, immediate family within our greater church family. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the people who are leaders of those, um, we have uh, our newest group 
is led by a couple and another gal, right? Um, so I know some people are going to go, wait a minute, but female elders, is that what you're saying? Look, no, of course that's not what I'm saying, but there are people with leadership capabilities and facilitating capabilities that um, our, our church still has the same set of elders, right? But, but there is a certain level of maturity that I expect if you're going to lead that because you have to have the, the, the ability, the discernment to go, okay, you know what? So-and-so is having a real, like I can see in her face that tonight just needs to be us coming around her and loving her and talking mm-hmm. to her and, and gospeling her. Um, so you throw the material away for the night, right? Like you have to be uh, disciplined enough and mature enough as a believer to see those kinds of things and mm-hmm. lead in the moment. And so, yeah, they, they function for us. They function like, like you could, you could, um, actually function as a church, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's, that's not how we look at it, I guess. Uh, we, we wouldn't, I wouldn't even call them house churches. Mm-hmm. Well, um, again, you never yeah. had to look at it that way. Cause it's never been a thing right. that's happened. So it's not even, yeah. But so, okay. In that, so that's, I think that's an important distinction to make in lots of regards that again, like you said, if, if you're in one of these groups, you're almost not missing a whole lot anyway, other than the gathering, you know, the, the totality gathering, but you still have other Christians around you, which um, I think in lots of places, the, the small groups aren't a thing. They just, there's no structure for them. They're not, a, you ask somebody, does your church have them? They're like, well, what's that? No, we don't do that. We yeah. just meet on Sunday morning. Or, if there are small groups, like you said, it's almost a canned curriculum. I don't say that word just right, the, but it's just a Bible study. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, just so we have terms clear for those that are listening, like I think, and again, not to hold you up as like the the example of all things, but I think what you guys are doing is really good in the sense that, like you said, when something huge happens, there's already a structure in a very small format. It's, a, it's an image of the bigger church so that when catastrophes do occur, you still have the church around you. Um, whereas, just like you said, in other countries, so they, they have small versions of church all around them that in some cases it has to be small because they're hiding. It can't be a huge thing. Mm-hmm. But the body is around the body taking care of the body. Where I think where some of these people uh, are fighting to... to um, to open their, okay. So for example, my church, uh, doesn't have small groups at all. Something I wish we did have, and I hope we're moving toward, but the idea is that when you don't have, when you don't have that, all we were left to automatically was online services. Now, luckily (laughs) I married into a really big family. So Sunday morning was basically like a small group for us because we did go, we went to my mother and father-in-law's house and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people there. So we sang hymns and we did prayer and then we watched the sermon. So essentially it was a version of a a smaller church, Uh, but some people don't have that. Some people that I've talked to, like they literally got up, had cereal, watched the sermon, then went about their day. Um, So I think if we look at it in church structure in the way we're talking about right here, there's a small church imaging the bigger church. So when big catastrophes like this happen, the body is still taking care of the body. There's really not a need to, to, to die on a hill that's not worth dying on. 
right? Yeah. I mean, so it's, yeah, you want the church to be open eventually, but, you know, until persecution happens that this allows that you, you have a functioning body that's still doing everything the body was doing before, um, just in a smaller capacity. Um, I think what brings on, or maybe has brought on this, you have to open the churches. There's two things. One, an absence of what you're talking about, that there's nobody around them that, that images that they're not a part of a smaller body. It's just the Sunday morning gathering. And then two, like you said, this Americanized version of Christianity that says, I have to have this. You can't take this away from me. Um, And then that drives to a lot of uh, situations where, again, I think I've been pretty open in lots of conversations I've had about. I think what MacArthur did in his particular circumstance was the right thing for him to do because he's coming up against a governor that, I would say is undeniably against the church. Um, uh, not just necessarily in policy, but just been very open about that. Whereas in some other States and some other you know places that churches are, that's not the case. So it probably would be wiser yeah. not to come against them. Um, I don't think a MacArthur is a one size fits all situation, but um, I think you have to look at the governance over you, look at the scripture and what it clearly says about submitting to authorities and are your authorities doing their job? And if they're not, are you calling them to do the, them to do their job? And then, you know, like you said, uh, I don't know if you said it in this episode or another episode, but there's not always a one size fits all approach here. Not every church in the country should go all MacArthur. Yep. Um, you should look at your circumstance. And here's the, here, here's a little secret guys. If you're listening, if you don't have small grooves, this is a great time to say, Oh wow, maybe we should do that. <laughs> maybe we should. Yep. Because even at, I don't know how your state was, but our state, uh, the lowest it got for a uh, meeting was 25 and a small group is going to be definitely under 25. Um, so any church's small group still could have met together with those restrictions. So a couple of things. One, um, our small group, actually had uh 17 the uh, sunday night and we were missing four so i mean it, it could get above something like that but um our uh, like i don't identify completely with macarthur here i think i agree with you i think in his particular circumstance which you have to like you said you have to take that into account there is no again like just like the other things that we've talked about this month. There's not a cookie cutter recipe for this. Uh, The national government hasn't said um, no church, right? Um, uh, Their state government has, right? Um, They've placed things like abortion over uh, the the church. Uh, They've done some things that would make me go, get them, John. You know what I mean? But uh, like in our situation, and we didn't even really close uh, our state. Uh, like mm-hmm. he, he made some, he closed a few things with executive executive orders, uh, such as like uh, barber shops for a time, restaurants were having to do drive through and delivery and people figured it out. He never once actually mandated that churches should close. But our feeling was because of <laughs> the uh, suggestions of our governor, it would be a way for us to honor our government that has been put over us. 
to suspend our Sunday mornings for a time, at least until mm-hmm. some of this gets worked out and figured out. Um, so we we closed not because we were afraid. In fact, every elder that we have thinks like me, essentially like this is stupid mm-hmm. at this point. Like unless you're 80, go to work, right? Like that's kind of just our viewpoint. Um, but there's a sense that like, you know, like we also need to send a message that, that we should honor the government uh, that has been put over us, right? To every extent that we can. I personally, I think one of the best uh, arguments or one of the best ways to to think about uh, this is not with the COVID. Um, just speaking about governmental authority in general, taxes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one of our big... Um, weighty, difficult decisions when it comes to uh, the church and Christians in America is this idea that it, we might be in jeopardy when it comes to your tax dollars funding abortion, mm-hmm. right? At, at some point, your, your tax, I think it's probably inevitable at some point that that is going to be the case. Even if, you know, your Donald Trump wins this election, like at some point, that's the direction everybody's going, right? That's the direction we're secularized. Um, so I said that to say this, at, at what, are you going to not pay taxes? Like, do you think that uh, when Jesus said, render into Caesar, what, what is Caesar's? Do you think that Caesar was using every bit of the tax dollars that he was getting for good things? Or do you think it probably funded a few orgies? You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. honestly, like he was using these things for terrible, ungodly, ridiculous acts, some of them. And Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. So that tells me something, right? Like I can take something away from that. Like he's responsible for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you start telling me I can't speak in the name of Jesus, I can't tell people about Jesus, saying, uh, preaching the gospel is uh, against the law screw you, burn me at the stake, right? Like that, that's the hill to die on for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that, uh, again, it depends on your circumstance. I think that is probably part of the message that Gavin Newsom is trying to send inadvertently, Mm -hmm. right? He he enjoys the thought of shutting the church up. He doesn't give the slightest crap about the church. He would rather murder babies, right? Like that's just where he's at. So I can see MacArthur's point. And like I said, like, I saw a clip of that sermon he preached and thought, mind blown. That was awesome, right? So I get both sides of it. I think that this, like you said, this is an, an excellent, I don't think we've had a better opportunity than right now to look at the way that we do church and go, you know what? We should probably have some smaller uh, sections within our body for discipleship at the very least. Because yeah. if something like this were to happen in the future, COVID or because of government overreach or whatever it might be like, we want to not miss a beat. The message either is going to be uh, what MacArthur is sending, which means, which is the church is not scared of the government. You can't beat us. Right. Mm -hmm. Or the message could also be do what you will to us. And in the midst of our honoring the government, the church will still move on and flourish and be on fire because you're not bigger or more powerful than God's church. Just depends on how you want to go about it.
<laughs> yeah. A little bit. No, those are excellent points. And like I said, I don't think um, they may have been said before, but I, there's some things that you said there that honestly, I've done a lot of reading on it, done a lot of listening on to it that just hasn't been uh, that specifically hasn't been um, said. So <clears throat> those are all, I think, incredible, especially the tax point. Like you said, I think everybody's so stuck on the COVID thing that you're not, uh, we're so stuck in the moment. We're not thinking down the line a little bit about, you know, other governmental things and what that does and how that applies to the church and what you will or will not give up on. Um, one thing, and this will kind of be my closing here. I think one of the things that we've, I, I specifically, but I think the church at, at wide has missed on is uh, really just having an open communication with our government, right? So there are, uh, I, I wish I could remember what interview it was. I listened to so many podcasts at work, I lose track. But uh, <laughs> there was one um, that they were interviewing a pastor. I can't remember it. But they were interviewing a pastor about, you know, the interaction he has with the local government, what he's, you know, the relationship he's built with them. And he specifically called out a point that I've never heard before, but his church, um, depending on, you know, and this is going to depend on where you're at local government wise, as far as, you know, how you do this, but his church specifically, the individuals, not just him as representative of the church, though he does that as well, but his church writes letters to their local governors or their local government, their governor, but also saying, Hey, we're praying for you. We know this is coming up on vote. We're praying for you on that. Uh, even the, not just the people they agree with, the people that they know they disagree with, say, we're praying for you, know we're against you, but you know, we know that you disagree with us, but know that we're, we're praying that, you know, God will be with you in your decision and helping you make it just mm-hmm. so that the local government knows that the church is thinking about them, not in a negative way, but saying, Hey, you know, we're yeah. here, we hear you. And uh, he said he did get reached out by the mayor that uh, they had done this pretty consistently for a while without really hearing any feedback at all. And the mayor reached out to the church and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, um, you are the only church that's ever done this. Um, and it does mean a lot to me and some of the other people on the council because we are, we are believers. We don't, and he goes, even my church doesn't do this. Um, and we, we deeply appreciate it. And I think part of that is a way that we can honor the government as well. I mean, it takes a second to send an email or make a call and say, hey, I mean, like you said, and I know we did a podcast specifically about COVID, but like you said in the past, like these, these people have to make some pretty tough decisions and we don't know what it's like to be in their seat to make those decisions. Uh, and regardless if they're a believer or not, those are still tough decisions. Um, mm-hmm. And if we really believe that God put puts these people in their places to do these jobs. Um, I think it would behoove us to be responsible Christians to say, Hey, you know, send an email, make a call. I don't know if anybody writes letters anymore, but I guess that could be a thing (laughs) where, uh, where we're saying, Hey, just want to let you know, me and my church are praying for you. I'm praying for you. Um, Because I know from being in a management position, from running my page, for example, you get a thousand negative things to the one good thing. And it would be really, I think, helpful for the church and the government's relationship for the, the one or two good things that you hear is coming from the body of Christ opposed to the thousand mm-hmm. negative things. Cause everybody's going to tell you what they yeah. hate 
nobody's going to tell you what they love. So that's my ending point there, kind of a, an encouragement uh, for me, but also for you guys listening to think about what you can do to reach out in the name of Christ in a non-negative way to your government and say, hey, what can we do to pray for you? So, Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. In fact, um, I've never even thought about that. And that is something that um, we're probably going to do. That's a great idea. Um, I, I was, I, think, I was punched in the face by it when I heard it. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing that we are doing, we have a group that has just accepted the challenge to do this. One of our community groups <laughs> has accepted the challenge to do this. They're uh, already they're talking to, um, uh, this is going to air in September, right? So uh, yeah, next month September. in October, in October, uh, there's going to be a, an appreciation dinner like a nice one upscale mm -hmm. at one of the Ramada, like nice conference hotels we have here. They've already agreed to donate the space for free because of this. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So we're going to have a big appreciation dinner for all of our public servants, police officers, firefighters, whatever EMTs and the elected officials here in town. So all of the city commissioners, all that kind of thing. And it's just going to be a, Hey, thanks. We know your job is hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, wow. so that, that it is important, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like what you said, 90% of what they're going to, probably more than 90% of what they're going to, it's a ton is just a bunch of, you're an idiot. We hate you. This is wrong. You're stupid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like I can't wait yeah. till you get out of office kind of stuff. And yeah. it's like, like in the midst of that, I mean, uh, we hear no news is good news, but wouldn't it be awesome? Like, to get just a little bit of good news, something good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like just to hear yeah. it. So there's some truth yeah. to that. It's heavy. It's really good. Yep. All right, guys. Well, hopefully this was helpful. Um, I, I find it interesting every time a topic is discussed, something a little different comes out of it. So uh, I had another conversation just on the subject with uh, somebody else, Matt Matias, and that's on this page too. But it's interesting how no matter who you talk to, like a little bit comes out of it and different and you can learn even more about it. So yeah. um, I encourage you to, you guys to have these conversations as well, but um, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for watching. If you're watching on YouTube uh, and we will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Happy babbling.